I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 podcast. Uh, we are back. We have not been taken by the Rona yet, and neither has Major League Baseball, unless you're the Cardinals. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric Labou, masked and ready to go, Eric. Yeah, we're ready, man. We're ready. Dude, this last week was really exciting to be a Padre fan. Indeed it was. It was great to see Madison Bumgarner get bent over and absolutely <laughs> destroyed. What did he last? I think an inning and two, or two innings, I think he went and... Yeah. It was the end of that. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then he had back issues. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, he threw his back out. I don't I don't know what happened. But that I... sounds like, uh, you know, Matt Antonelli does a lot of YouTube answer questions. Uh-huh. And one of them, he said, yeah, there is such thing as a phantom DL where they'll basically come up with like a fake injury uh, to put you on the DL at the time, now the IL, basically because they need to find a place to put you. This sounds like, hey, Mad Bum, you're, uh, you're sucking right now. Let's get you on the IL with this... Uh, back spasms to get you out of the rotation all i'm gonna say is i the only time i see people bent over like that is when i'm on x videos <laughs> and uh it was it was nice to see it happen at petco park yes. like out in the open you know yes it was, uh yeah it was dude it was a lot of fun and there was you know the weekend and then we look at what's coming up here the dodgers series, series. coming up it's a fuck it's a huge series for the team because you kind of look at where they're at and I saw something on Twitter, and it said that if the season ended today, the Padres would have, what was it, like the sixth seed or something? Yeah. They would end up facing, I think it was the Marlins. I think it was Craig Elson that tweeted it out. But uh, I like that matchup going yeah. against the Marlins. So. I forget who the uh, Dodgers, the Dodgers are against some, like, some great team like that, that could bounce them out in a three-game series. But Yeah. Um, so basically, I mean, when, when we're looking at it, and there's kind of like the Padres, they, they have – the first part of the season, it's a tough stretch because they face the Dodgers a lot. And let's face them, I mean, the Dodgers, they're supposed to be the best team in the league, right? Like, they have the talent for that. And once we get past this hump, if you look at the second month of the games that are lined up, it's like the Giants, the Rangers, the Mariners, teams that you're not really concerned about. So it's like if you can get past this first stretch at 500 even, that's looking really good. And if we can get out, it's a four-game stretch against the Dodgers. If we can get out of that... We're what nine and what are we nine and seven right now? The pods. If you can get out of that, maybe split this series against LA. I, you you have to feel really good about where your team's at moving forward. I agree. I think it's a big series because they played really well against LA. You know the bullpen had its usual issues, but the reality is when you go back, we've said this already. You know that really they should only have like three or four losses right now. They've only really been like legit. Like Dustin May legitimately beat them. Right. Um, you know, but they almost they almost tied that game up uh, in game three. Taylor had to make a perfect throw, but who knows? You know, if Patino hadn't given up, and we'll talk about Patino later, but you know, he gives up a three run bomb to Peterson, and that pretty much sealed the deal. Yeah. Um, but in all reality, like, they've only been like blown out or definitively beat. I think two or you know three times. Once by the Giants, the Rockies, maybe the Diamondbacks, maybe three or four losses that they should have. Um, so I think they're a lot closer to L.A. than. You know, you would think just looking on paper, especially because now LA just lost Seager, so now they're down. You know, probably their their best uh, at the time, their hottest hitter. He's tearing the cover off the ball. So, um, I think it'll be important. And I agree with you. I said this uh, before, obviously off air, as I stated before. Um, <laughs> when the schedule came out, and I was looking at it. And I was like, well, I really like this schedule. I, I think we really got a chance because it's not particularly heavy. I think we get like, like you said, the Angels. I don't care about the Angels. The Rangers. I don't think are going to be any good. Yeah. Um, Trying to think about the Mariners. They're not, they're not, I mean, they've got some exciting young guys, but, you know, not a playoff team. Even the Astros, I think last I checked, the Astros were like six and nine nice. going into the weekend or something. Yeah. Nice and nine and so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, even the Astros, like, they don't look good. Like, the A's are running away with that division right now, at least through the first third of the season. So, um, if they can split, ideally take the series with the Dodgers, um, it sets them up really nicely to kind of bounce back and hopefully Colorado starts regressing and we can start, you know. Well, they will. I mean, Colorado hasn't even faced L.A. yet. 
No, so they have that, not. that's my main thing. Like everyone looks, oh man, what's going on in Colorado? When are they, they going to cool what, down? The Giants and they're going to the cool down. Yeah. The Rangers, I think yeah. it was. Like put it this way, the Rockies are playing the teams that we're about to start playing. So yeah. that's why I'm not too concerned about this hot start. And let's face it, it's Colorado. It's Bud Black. Like I'm, I'm not worried about the <laughs> He'll Rockies. They'll find a at way all. to suplex your ACL out of the playoffs. Yeah, I'm they'll sure. they'll find a way to get out of. I'm I'm not worried about them at all. And you know what? Let's face it, man. With the expanded playoffs, it's not that difficult to make the playoffs this year. So. I mean, as long as you get to the dance, we've said that all the time ever since we started the podcast. Just get to the dance, because once you get there, anything can happen. Especially in a three-game series, right? Oh, no question. The first round's a three-game series for everybody, right? Yeah. So, other than, like, yeah, the Dodgers match up really great in a three-game series, especially the top two, Bueller and May. Um, you know, the Padres, it's like, we have, we're going to get into it. We have Lamette and, and Paddock, and you can flip-flop those guys. Like, we match up really good for a three. Like, we're scary in a three-game series, especially because... They hit a ton of home runs. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's get into uh, let's get into uh, one of the stars of this hot week. And let's get into one of the stars ever since uh, he was traded here for Eric Johnson as a uh, with Eric Johnson as an unheralded prospect who wasn't even good enough to be in the White Sox top twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, don't, I don't. I don't really think that him and Johnson provided much more value than a comp pick yeah. at the time. We definitely should have uh, waited for Shields to opt out as he. Knowingly did, yeah, he did yeah. to get the cop pick. But let's talk about yeah, the Lord and Savior of the San Diego Padres, <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr., who right now, undoubtedly, and I looked this up on Fangraphs to verify it last night, has been twice as valuable as Mike Trout. He is currently, Fangraphs-wise, the best player in the game as it stands. Not and the best shortstop, like that bit I had last year. The best player in the game going into today is Fernando Tatis Jr. And see, that's what I've always said. You got to rely on fan graphs, right? <laughs> like you got to rely on fan graphs. Anytime you have any doubt about numbers and, <laughs> and comparative analysis, you have to rely on fan graphs. Comparative analysis because they give you the numbers. They give you the numbers right there in black and white. They say, "Hey, here's the information you need. Are you going to be a smart baseball fan and take that information and draw your conclusions, or are you going to be an idiot and tune it out?" So, that, yeah, I've always been big on fan graphs. That mask is deflecting <laughs> a lot of the bullshit you're spewing right now. And, uh, yeah, man, he's Fernando Tatis Jr. gives me gives me reason to where I don't feel stupid for having hope in our future. I don't feel If like, that makes sense. I don't feel like a blind homer. You know, like, you and I would scour all the Ross and Marshalls and TJ Maxx's, <laughs> like, all over the county. Yeah. Uh, you know, buy a Padre gear. Our adult team, we switched to the Padres because we liked the blue yep. alternates that they had. And I don't feel so like, I don't want to say ashamed because I've never been ashamed, but I don't feel so like, yeah, I'm a Padre fan. Like, <laughs> I don't feel like that anymore because, like, yeah, I'm a Padre fan. We got, like, the most exciting, like, we have the face, in my opinion, the face of the league, you know, on our team because I love Mike Trout. I mean, like, Mike Trout has been my favorite non Padre player. He's basically been my favorite player until. We got Machado and Tatis, but, like, Trout's great, but he is not, like, Mr. Charisma. Like, he's more Mr. like, business as usual. Whereas Tatis is, like, he's an enigma. Like, he's an entity, a phenom. Everywhere he goes, like, the room lights up. He's got personality and charisma through the roof. And he plays, like, that old adage, he plays like his hair is on fire. He's everything that we wanted Mike Trout to be. Yeah. When it comes to, you know... Being able to embrace being that face, being able to bring that energy and that charisma. He's me, everything that Mike Trout doesn't do or doesn't want to be. Let me, he's just not. Let me throw out a name when we first got him uh, and uh, we thought we host the Marlins in this deal with that. Oh, this is going to be great. He's like what we looked at when we saw like Cameron Maven, young, <laughs> exciting energetic I, I think that's a bit extreme well but, i'm just saying, sure like, like when you when you thought about like this kid could be electric like we would think like he's gonna be a lot of fun because he's young he's exciting he's energetic and they just didn't pan out but they're like i feel like i said this on uh saturday when we had the when we had the game on you're nice enough to invite us over for some some good old carne asada grilling yeah but i feel like it's like finally like we have a prospect like we've had the mavens who didn't pan out we've had headley's and Jerkos and Alonzos and even Grandal to a point because we didn't give him time, right? Blanks. Like we've had all these players: Margo, Renfro, Hedges, <coughs> Urias, <coughs> Urias. <coughs> hey, he changed his swing on Instagram. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it my, with my own eyes. I did. I hope he does well. Yeah. But um, like Hedges. we've had all these guys like come up. Yeah, I said Hedges oh, okay. twice. <laughs> so bad you got to mention him twice. Yeah. But we've had all these prospects, right? Like these guys who are legit top 100 prospects come up, and some of them have been good. 
you know, or they've done well enough, or they've done, you know, what, what you might expect. But, like, we really haven't had a guy come up here and just be, like, this electric personality since, like, Jake Peavy. Yeah. And even back then, like, it wasn't... It's not like it is now with all the knowledge and, like, oh, we know he's coming, right? Like, Tatis is the first prospect where I was, I was absolutely hyped for, and he has been better than anything I could have expected. Like, he's an absolute superstar and there's been no regression i think he's barreling up the ball 70 percent of the time yeah man which is ridiculous and you know i i have to be honest and, and i told you this on saturday i gotta be honest man like after that first season i look i looked at the babip i look again i'm a big fan <coughs> guy. so i looked at babip and i was looking at it and i was like man i'm kind of nervous you know sophomore slump yeah. everything i was like man it, it tim might, anderson disease he, yeah he could come down to earth and you know he had such a great rookie year albeit ended way too shortly by injury but he had a great rookie year but this second year oh man there's a lot of factors that go against it and then he just comes out like a bat out of hell a bat out of hell man and it's just like you look and it's like maybe this is who he is maybe he is nl mike trout yeah maybe he's better than mike trout i don't know but it's just you look at what he brings to the team and he plays he's the type of guy that plays with the swagger but he never has an issue backing it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people would see that and they'd be like, you know what, man? Let's go get this guy. He doesn't come like, off like Puig for whatever reason. And I like Puig a lot. See, I, I don't have a problem with Puig. I don't either, but I don't think Tatis is like, he's not vilified. No, he's the not. Same way, for whatever reason. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> that could happen, dude. Yes, it could. It could Very happen, good. but he's been getting a lot of love in the national spotlight. You yeah. saw that thing with Jeff Passan. And, uh, Excellent. And there's an extended Fan video, of the actually. podcast, yeah. Jeff Jeff Passan. Yeah. By the well, way. yeah. When's he coming on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm pretty I'll, sure I'll he doesn't like you, but he thinks it's me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, like you see that, you see the long article, the cover story in ESPN, and, and you see, it and it's like, God, dude, like this Flexing is, this and is the guy we've been waiting for, man. And you know what? And I told you guys in the in the group chat with our Madfires buddies, uh, madfires.com, you can subscribe if, if you want. Best uh, place to get your minor league gear. Um, I was telling him, I think I'm a little bit more attached to Tatis just because that one day on the back lots. And what was it, 20, was it 2017, 2016? It I'm, was uh, 17 because <clears throat> we got him in 16. Okay, so that next spring, and we've told the story on the podcast before for a long time, listeners, thank you very much, uh, where we had stumbled upon the back lots and there was a couple games going on and then there was one game, or it wasn't a game, it was batting practice on kind of the back where it was at the salty senorita or whatever yeah. was back in yeah, the corner it's there. The one behind the, the, uh, so if the you've been, lot. yeah, if you've been there, you know what we're talking about. So we walk up and there's Tatis Jr. There's Onya. I want, I there's Arius. Cup, Arius was there and all they were doing was launching dongs into the parking lot, trying <laughs> to hit cars. And Tatis was the one stealing the show. We Dude, mentioned it. Like he was the ringleader. Yeah. It was like gunshots. Every time yeah. you make contact, it just sounded different. And it was at that point in time where I was sold. I was like, this is the guy. And then you see him, dude. And, Everything that we see and everything that we love from him right now, we saw in person at that back lot. It's maybe 20 feet away. The yep. singing, the dancing, the laughing. Dude was laughing his ass off and just launching rockets into the parking lot. Like, they would sit there and they'd make contact. And you'd see the ball fly. And all of them were sitting there like, oh, oh. And they'd hit a car. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And they'd start dancing around. <laughs> Dude, it was so much fun, man. And it's like, that's the reason what made me really think like hey this guy's for real like he's legit and he's gonna be fun obviously there's the hype too but then like you see that and if and that's like there's no better advertisement of why you should go to spring training for that if you're on the fence about Absolutely spring training free just so you can see stuff like that man and it's just like ever since i saw that i'm like god this is the dude and now he comes up and like you said he didn't he hasn't disappointed there's been no all. like there's been, like, even Tony Gwynn hit 280 or 290. Like, Tony had a good rookie debut, but he wasn't what he would eventually be. And yeah. then he arrives in 84. Like, Tatis has basically arrived, like, there's been no there's been no development period. It's like, he's here, he's a superstar, he's your best player, here you go. Yeah. And, and like, when I looked at his numbers, because he had 22 home runs last year. I think he's got eight or nine now, so he's almost at 30. He's only played 100 games. He's at 30. He yeah. played 100 games, 30 bombs, uh, 20 stolen bases. So when you think about it, right, there was all this big hoopla about Pete Alonso, yeah. you know, going on hitting 50 home runs. If you were to project Tatis right now, if he hadn't gotten hurt and kept, he can't say plays in a, it's, he can't say, you know, oh, he would have done it because he can't play it in a vacuum, right? But he's done it, right? He's consistently played at this level. 
anybody who doesn't think that Tatis would have ran absolutely away with the rookie of the year, regardless of how many home runs that polar bear hit last year, is a fool. Oh, yeah. It, they're a fool. He, he's unbelievable. He does everything. His defense looks better this year, too. Yeah. Like, I don't, he's not booting balls. Um, I do think he's trying to find a happy medium between 95 miles an hour and zero <laughs> when he's throwing the ball. Yeah. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't figured that out yet. Uh, I don't think there's a couple couple weird plays in the dirt, but it's just it's amazing to me that he's only 21 years old and he's a finished product. Like they're comparing him to like he blows Jeter out of the water. Oh, like no question. No, no offense to any Yankee fans. Like I like for the most part, I like the Yankees, but like you can't put Jeter next to Tatis. It's not even close. The only the only player comparable to him at that age is Alex Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and it's like. You can count on one hand how many guys can compare to that. Like, I was even looking up, like, Nomar. Like, oh, you know, maybe he's more like Nomar. Nope, <laughs> not even close. And Nomar was great yeah. for a very for a very extended period of time. He was very, very good. Really great. But the only guy you can compare Tatis to at this point is A-Rod. And, I mean, maybe even – he doesn't hit as many home runs because he hasn't played a full season yet. But the only other kind of hype I can think of, like, where he had the personality – the charisma, the swagger, the game to back it up, and just that natural magnetism about him is Junior. Yeah, that's the last guy. I, I was saying in in uh, the uh, Rasa thread, they should do a commercial where in somehow, some way, those two bump into each other, and Junior just is like, "Oh, here, you, you're gonna need a torch to go this way," and just hands him a torch, symbolically passing it on. He's not electric. He's well, thank that- God you don't write the commercials for MLB because <laughs> yes. they already have a big enough marketing problem. Yes. you know it's funny you mentioned Junior, dude. I was sitting there. <laughs> I was sitting there yesterday, just watching uh, watching Tatis go yard, and and I was thinking, I was like, God, dude, and I was and I saw those comparisons, and I'm like, man, like he, yeah, he's the next, and that's the guy I thought of. That's the next, he's the next kid. He's the next Ken Griffey Jr. He's, and the thing is, he's just the Nino. Here's, here's the thing. I was like, I was like, oh man, like his dad played in the major leagues, so did Tatis Jr. Like, man, there's a comparison there. They called uh, Ken Griffey Jr. the kid. I was like, shit, what's Span- I was like, what's Spanish for the kid? Oh yeah, El Nino. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like such an idiot, dude. And that's why you're not in the Rasa threat. Yeah, but uh, so I was I was listening the other day to my beloved Ben and Woods on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan, Monday through Friday, 5 through 9, and they had uh, Matt Vaskersian on, and who's just a great guest. Like I don't think I've ever heard him on any other radio station in San Diego at all, uh, but Matt Vaskersian was great, and he even said there is an East Coast bias. There's absolutely an East Coast bias. Of course. And it made me think, I was like, man... Because the Padres, we're just barely over 500 right now, and it took a generational type Mike Le- Mike Trout level talent for the Padres to finally get some national love. Dude. Tony Gwynn, I don't recall. Yeah, Tony didn't. Tony didn't really give him Tony, shit. Yeah, Tony Gwynn wasn't even the most popular player in San Diego. Dick Williams has a quote where he said something along the lines of, "I don't understand why Tim Flannery is more popular than Tony Gwynn." Yeah. Quite interesting. Very, very, quite. very, quite interesting. Quite. So now I'm looking at Tatis, and the thing that worries about worries me about him the most is obviously, you know, the the thought of maybe injury coming yes. in and just the way he plays the game. But the thing that really worries me is the thought of him being here until his uh, control numbers run out and he leaves the free agency. Borrowed time. That's what really, really scares me about him, and that's why I sit there and try to just really, like, I don't want to sound like the uh, Cleveland owner and say, hey, enjoy him while he's here, <laughs> like with Lindor. But part of me is like, hey, enjoy him while he's here. And then there's another part of me that just says that, like, the Padres, the ownership, the, um, the front office, they have to see the type of buzz that's coming around. And well, there's just part of me that there's – I don't see any way that they let him walk. No, absolutely not. I don't see it. I, I don't see it either. Because but, I, but I also don't see him signing a team-friendly extension. Well, not, And not even team-friendly. Not even team-friendly. I don't see him signing like an Acuna-type deal. No. I don't see him doing that. And that deal is awful. Let me let me throw that out there. I mean, the Albies, Albies deal is just abhorrent. But the Acuna deal is terrible. Well, look at what Tulo got. What, 10, 10 years, 150? Yeah. Something like that? And that was, I don't see him taking that. I don't know. Well, I can see him taking the equivalent to what that is now. Well, cause you, well yeah, because I was going to say, you can't really compare the numbers to back then to right now because of the yeah. type of money that's getting thrown around. Yeah. So it's like, what's I mean, fair? If you, if you think 10, 150 at that time, $20 million was the big money, now it's 30. Maybe it's like 10, 200 or 10, 250, something like that. Do but, you think he would sign if you offered 10 years, 200? I think he would think about it. I just think it, it depends on how it's structured. So, well, let me let me tell you this. I, I have it on good authority, uh, a number of things. Number one, <clears throat> there is interest on both sides. 
The family's interested in staying in San Diego. Tatis certainly wants to stay here. His comments are genuine. Ownership is very well aware because when I when I survey my people, there's a lot of talk. That Too hinty. It, <laughs> I'm not going to get into colors here, Eric. <laughs> but when I survey people, and and you know I've I've surveyed people like my mom, uh, and, and the idea that he could walk. Right, my mom's already like he's only going to be here for so long because they're going to trade him because yeah. they traded Adrian Gonzalez. That's they the traded Jake Peavy. They traded Sheffield. They traded. They traded McGriff. They traded, you know, Alomar. They've traded all these amazing players, who have basically made their names elsewhere, or yeah. in Sheffield's case, a lot of different teams, <laughs> um, right? Like, and Adrian was the last one. And Adrian, as great of a hitter and first baseman as he was, he was not this kind of personality, but he was beloved. Here. Oh, absolutely. He was beloved no because question. he was Mexican. He had history in the community because he grew up here. He had history across the border because we of his love family. our locals. We do. We absolutely do. He had history across the border because his dad played, I believe, professionally over there, and he had played there as a youth. So when he left, I think it. I think that was the real turning point to a lot of fans, where it's like they're just going to trade their good players. Right? And our attendance kind of, kind of flattened after, even in the 2010 season, right? Or even in the, you know, even after Preller came in, yeah, he made a lot of trades and stuff, but attendance is kind of just kind of flattened. And I think fans are still like, oh, they're just going to trade them. And then this new ownership group, oh, they signed Hosmer, whatever. Hopefully that's going to work out. Flyball Haas, yep. Oppo Papo, my buddy. And, uh, you know, they signed Manny, which was huge. Oh, yeah. Which was huge. And then I think that my boy, this, My boy, Will Myers. Yes, They extended Will, him. That's right. Will Power. <laughs> Will Power. But uh, I, there is, I have it on good authority that ownership is well aware that if Tatis walks, if for whatever reason... He does not stay in. That is whether we trade him or we just let him run out the other four years he has after this year. They're well aware that that could make a huge dent in the in the fan base's loyalty to the team. That, I yeah, there's there's see, no coming back from that. No, and there's not. And I and I think that when when you have a fan base that has gone through it with Jake Peavy, you know they've gone through it with the fire sale. People still remember that they went through it with the '99 team. Vaughn, Caminetti, Finley, all your favorites are gone. You know, Tony's the only one that stayed. Um, they, I don't think they view it like before. You're like, well, they kept Tony. Like, that 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 sentiment isn't there anymore. Well, well they kept Tony. They're going to keep him because we didn't. We didn't keep Jake. And we didn't keep Adrian Gonzalez. Um, we haven't really kept anybody. And, you know, there's the idea they're not going to keep Manny. At some point, they'll move Manny, right? Because they moved the other contract. They moved Matt Kemp. They moved James Shields. Right. So, but ownership is cognizant of the fact that if they do not sign him, if somehow someone he's not kept here, at least for a duration of his career, because he could leave at any point in time if he wants to leave. But if he's not kept there, at least they don't make the effort to say, we want him here for as long as he's willing to stay, that they're going to lose a large portion of the fan base and it's going to hurt the, it's going to hurt the future of the team. Yeah. They are aware of that. Oh, especially if, and I mean, the plan is to be winning with him here. So yeah. if they string together a couple of deep runs, which is, God, dude, like that's right the goal. Now, I mean, that's right. the hope. That's the hope. But if they do that and then let him walk or and then trade him. It kills all the goodwill they've been building since. Dead. It's dead. Like the Myers signing, whether you want to light or not, the casual fan looks at that and says, they're oh, spending Oh, hey, we money. just signed our all-star. Yeah, we signed our all-star. We're not going to trade our best players. Yeah. We went out and we signed a World Series champion. We went out and signed the best third baseman and a Hall of Fame caliber player. And now we have the superstar who's, I love you, Tony, the best player we've ever had on a field. No Just question. unbelievably dynamic. No question. Impacts the game in every way, shape, and form. If I think that all that goodwill they've built up with the signings, the trades, the uniforms, gone if Tatis is gone. And they know that, which is why I 100% believe they're going to pony up the dough. Myers is off the books, I think, in two years. Myers and Haas are coming up soon. Well, Hosmer, I don't think... Well, Hosmer's going to Hosmer drop. might opt out if, <laughs> if Flyball Haas is real. He might yeah. opt out. He might. I doubt it just because the market for even home run hitting first baseman is not very good. Yeah. Um, As an aside, if the ball, I was thinking the other day, if the ball was juiced, Haas would have like six bombs. Well, that if he didn't shit his brains out yeah. for like a week. Because he barreled up twice on Saturday. I'm like, man, that ball didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But, yeah. you know... The money's going to be there because, yeah, man, he's going to be making more, but Myers will be off the books. There's a nice, cool $20 million. Hosmer's going to be making $13 million a year. There's $7 million less. So right there you have $27 million to say, you know, to basically do what you want with. You're going to have roster turnover. But I, I do believe that they are going to make a conscious effort to get him a contract. It's not going to be the Acuna 8-year 100. It's probably going to be 8th. 
I think you have to buy it. You buy out his arbitration years on the cheap. Well, but see, more than what he would make in arbitration. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Then I'm looking He's at. He's also it. probably going to be super too. I would think based on. I would think based on how service time, even though he was injured. But can all, on that the can all change with the next CBA, it and could. that's the thing our our beloved John Conniff likes to bring up all the time is that that could all change and be thrown out the window. But the way I'm looking at it is like, okay, we all want to keep him here, but when's the best time? So if I'm thinking from the club from the club's aspect from the front office, like. He's going to be expensive no matter what. Yeah. So we can get him for the next few years, real cheap, and then just throw the fucking bank at him like the Angels did with Will Myers. Will Myers. <laughs> Mike Trout. Sorry. Well, the, 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 with Mike Trout. The, but look, it's going to be really expensive, so why not wait? If it's going to be expensive as shit, why not wait until later? Well, let me counter that with the Angels did sign Mike Trout to an initial contract. Well, fair. And then they That's And fair. then they reloaded. It was the same thing the Tigers did. I meant like the... 13 years. Okay, so you're talking the, the second contract. Like I the mean, second like, contract too low guy. I mean, like, Padre for life contract. Yeah, what Arenado got. Basically. basically. Okay, so, yeah, I, I, here, the thing I worry about, like, I look at Mookie Betts as a prime example. Like, he was a star the minute he hit the field. Like, I, his first full season, he was an all star. He won an MVP right after that and World Series, all that good stuff. But the Red Sox, because they had money poured elsewhere, uh, waited. And it got to a point where he basically told them, I'm not going to sign. Yeah. I am going to hit the free agent market. Now, of course, he didn't end up doing that. But that's because it took the Dodgers twelve a 12-year, what, 350 or something million-dollar contract to basically Massive. get it done. Yeah, huge contract. Right? It's probably, I think it's the, the, the longest extension ever handed out by a mile. Um, and so, you know, the longer you wait, the more at risk you put – yourself at and there is financial you know the, the thing with the contract you're going to pay him more than what he's going to make in arbitration because that's what it's going to take to get him to sign off on those years because if you let him go through arbitration at the clip he's going he's basically the mvp right now right like to me right now unless you know disaster strikes knock on the wood pillar here <laughs> um this season finishes up he's the national league mvp yeah he's probably the major league mvp right right now he is and so the longer you wait, the more expensive he's going to get. And if he is super two eligible, guess what? That's arbitration next year. Yeah. And that's in the current CBA. Because the current CBA is going to give him arbitration. He's only going to cost more and more. He'd probably break the record. So I think you'd tell him, we'll give you four years. And it doesn't. And the other inside note I have is that he's being encouraged not to take an overly team-friendly deal. You know, well, don't, yeah, of course. Don't pull the, of course not, because you want to look out for your peers. But ownership also has to look out for ownership, and they don't want to be setting a precedent. So that when Wander Franco comes up, he tells the Rays, you're going to give me $25 million a year or I'm not going to sign it. You're just going to have to trade me eventually. So, yeah, well, sometimes you got to look out for yourself. There, there, It's true. And I, there, there is – but ownership can say that line too. I don't think they will. But right. there's going to be a happy medium where I think the first four years will be more money than he would otherwise make um, or likely make. And then, the, then I think you add on four to six years, maybe more – at what his market value probably is. So maybe the back end of that, maybe it's a 10 or 12 year deal and the back eight are for like 240, but then the first four are like 100 or yeah. something, or maybe less than 100, maybe like 50 or 40, something that's reasonable, but you're not paying him 25 or $30 million up front. You're making him, you know, he hits, when he hits those free agent years, that's when he makes the 30 million a year. I'm also wondering with him because obviously I, mean, I want to lock him up I'm on I know yes. I mentioned the thing like waiting and getting yeah. it for cheaper now but 10 or 12 years right now I want him locked up as soon as possible and and that's where I'm coming from and I'm also looking like I, I feel like I remember him or, and or his father making comments about wanting to feel wanted and wanting to at least get the respect and like seeing the offers that like the Acunas and the other uh, p- players from the Dominican Republic are landing to be secure with their team and I think there's a respect factor that means a lot to him. Um, he had mentioned legacy and wanting to have a, a statue. statue like Gwen and Hoffman, which is I, I love that. I Absolutely about- love that. And and um, I think that after after if you wait too long, like you said with Mookie, like that, not just from a financial and business aspect, but from a respect aspect. Like I'm wondering at what point, how long do they wait before things start to get? Dicey. Yeah, let's take a look at Manny. Manny's a perfect example of that he wanted. He wanted he to stay said, in Baltimore. I want to stay in Baltimore. Yeah. This is why I wanted this team drafted it's me. A, it's a different yeah. ownership situation. It is. It is a different ownership situation. But th- let's be honest here. The Orioles chose Chris Davis. Right. That at the end of the day, that was their decision. They chose 
Chris Davis over Manny Machado. And maybe not at the time they didn't think about that, but that's because they're idiots. Yeah. Because Manny had said, like, they didn't even, like, I went in last season and they had, there had never been any approach about, you know, contract offers. Never, they had never given me an extension offer. It was just arbitration and whatever. And I went in last season pretty much knowing without having to be told, I'm literally just here for two and a half to three months and then I'm going to be moved. And I think based on what Manny said, like that weighs on you. It's like, why don't you want me? Yeah. And at that point, it's it's over. You know, that guy, is his head's elsewhere. Same thing with Mookie Betts. You know, at that point, he knew the Reds. He knew based on the situation, they'd fired their general manager. They'd underperformed. They were trying to figure out how to get out around salary. He already knew going into last year, I am not going to be here in the long term. So I'm not going to sign. I've been made no, they've made no attempt to sign me, at least as far as I know. And they're going to try to, and now they're trying to trade me in the offseason. Yeah. So I think that you're right. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. A, because the arbitration process is going to favor him because he has the big numbers. He hits for average, he hits home runs, he steals bases. The counting numbers are there. He's a shortstop and he's a superstar. You know, David Price made, I think, like, what did Mookie make? Didn't Mookie make like $30 million in arbitration? Something like some, that. Some ridiculous. He set a record, thing. didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And David Price has set a record before that. So, you know, you're just asking for trouble by waiting that long i think i would bet that he is locked up at least after three full seasons in the big leagues and, I, and i'm talking like the end of 2021 that they lock him up before the cba hits well there was the rumor that hit twitter today that fernando tati senior had said had reached out to a reporter uh and said that he is sure that an extension is going to come soon and that that both t- both sides have been talking which had been shot down by dennis lynn had been shot down by Annie Heilbrand, had been shot down by Kevin Acey. And, and Tatis himself. Tatis himself. But here's my theory mm-hmm. on that. And I, li- I love a good conspiracy theory. Padres are really tight-lipped with everything they do. Everything. Like, if you try to even as much as look over the fence at USD, you might get shot on sight. <laughs> they're very secretive with what they're doing. And I think if they are working on an extension, wouldn't you think both sides want to keep it as hush as possible, especially during the season and what's going on? Tatis, maybe not, because I think when you let things out in the public, it's Yeah, but it's he's trying give... to get money. He's, yeah. he's trying to get money. He's trying to get extension. He's trying to get that security. Like, he's not going to leak it out. Like, what's he going to do? Like, that that loses his bargaining power if he's like, oh yeah, actually we have been talking in the in the Zoom call. Yeah. So what what I think could be happening could be happening is they could be talking behind the scenes, keeping very tight lip because that's what they do. They keep shit tight lip, yeah. and they very well could be because that guy that that uh, dropped the quote like he wasn't some you know miserable SD fan just trying to troll people like he's an actual reporter like he's followed by leisure fryer you know like he has credentials (laughs) and he has like seventy-seven thousand followers you know and and he's like he's not some guy that's just trying to push shit out there so i just part of me like yeah i can i can understand what the local reporters are saying about it and what tatis himself is saying but there's a small part of me that's really hoping that in the background they are diligently working to get something done and to get something done I wonder, I, I think at the very least, at the very least, Preller, his team, <clears throat> Dave Cameron, and I don't know. That's actually, my guy. I don't even know what Dave Cameron does there anymore other than tell us not to sign Hosmer. <laughs> but uh, I, I, would, I would be shocked if Preller and his team, or more so ownership and people on Preller's team, like his assistant GMs, are not partnering up right now discussing what, can we present him where we think, yes, he's probably going to counter, and that's fine, but we need to have a game plan ready so that when we do present it to him, it's something he's immediately on board with, and we just have to, you know, you know, get the kinks out. Yeah, you well. Know? And I'm all, for, like, I'm all for giving him, like, a lifetime contract. I don't know how to work, but, like, I'm all for, like, hey, we're going to do 10 years, and then just revisiting and, like, five or six years and saying, hey, you know, we're going to wipe out this There's contract. no question about it. Like, like they have... He's the, 21 years old. They, you could realistically yeah. sign him to... Corey, our good friend Corey, made an excellent point. It doesn't matter if the contract works out because you don't control that part. It's... Even if it's a point zero 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 sixty nine zeros and a one, that it's going to work out. You do it because he is your best player. He's your face of your franchise. And if it doesn't work out, then you don't control that part. You did the right thing by signing it. Yeah, exactly. And they've built a pipeline of talent to where if you have two guys, like your your clogs on your lineup, and they're Machado and Tatis Jr., 
I think you can afford that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think you can afford with the pipeline coming up. You have, uh, God, who was it? Someone was retweeting all these uh, international prospects that they had just signed. You have like this pipeline of talent that's coming up that we've been drooling over for years. So, I mean, sure, at some point, maybe Paddock will walk, whatever. Lamette will probably, we'll get into Lamette here in a little bit, but... You yeah. know, maybe a guy here, here or there that we really like walks because Tatis got paid. Do you really care? Are you going to lose sleep over that? I'm not. No. I'm not. You know why? Because we have Abrams coming up. We're going to have Tremel doing work. We have Grisham for the next handful of years. Yeah. Like... Five. Yeah. There's exciting times coming up. So I'm not really concerned about it at all. But with, with Chris Paddock and uh, Denelson Lamette there, our two, our co-aces... Ooh. When worlds collide, when Eric, worlds when worlds collide. collide. Dude, I'm, I'm watching these guys pitch. And I'm not saying that, that Chris Paddock is, you know, I, that I've soured He's on washed, Chris Paddock. Eric, I'm, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that I don't have faith in Chris Paddock. That's the sheriff coming to get me right now. His gimmick is old and tired, and we only like him because he's a cowboy. Yeah, anyways, but I mean, one of us made cowboy shirts and sold them, but I digress. Uh, with two, <laughs> with those two guys, I'm looking at it, and again, I haven't lost faith in Paddock, but when I look at those two, and I'm thinking like, hey, who's our stopper? Who's our fucking, who's our Jake Peavy? Like, hey, there is no losing streak because this guy's coming up in two days. That's Lamette at this point. He is un hittable he is well he's not unhittable because he's giving up hits but i know what you're saying okay dude (laughs) but i know what you're saying. on any day he can take a no hitter into the fifth yeah like it's nothing like upper 90s he's done it twice yeah he's done it back to back starts gassing people 100 miles an hour paint on the corners he's got that slider which uh padres uh rasa twitter beloved padres farm had pointed out that Lamette has thrown a slider a lot more. And yeah. we, we had always talked about how Darren Balzi was so great because what do you do? Oh, you're great at throwing the slider? Throw the shit out of it. Yeah. Well, that's what is happening with Lamette right now. Hey, this is an elite pitch. And yeah. you have another elite pitch with your fastball. So throw the throw shit that. out of your slider. Yeah, throw that. And dude, he, what was it? Seven strikeouts he got on Sunday from his slider? Yeah. That's he had money. Like, he had eight strikeouts or something like that. No like walks. And no, no walks. walks. And that's, that's what stuck out to me the most. Same here. No walks. Same here. Because remember, now, like, I'll be the first to admit, like, when he first came up, there were two issues that I thought he'd run into just based on reading. He had no out pitch against a lefty. He's, and he had no out pitch and struggled against a lefty, and he struggled with command. Now, I'm not a pitcher, and I'm not Mr. Super Scout. So I don't know how much of a skill. I know control is a skill, right. but I don't know how much command is a skill, or is it just something you have. Now, when you talk about a stopper, I, I still really like Chris Paddock. I, I look, do, too. Yeah, I love, don't get me wrong. I love Paddock. I love that we can have this argument. Yeah. Because when I look at Paddock, there's, it's... it's how just, I, just think, just think. Last year, we're like... Oh man, that's bullshit. That uh, what's his Lauer? name? I already <laughs> forgot his name. Lauer. Lauer. That's bullshit. That Lauer's getting the start. It should have been Lucchese. Two innings. And now, yeah, now we're looking at Paddock and. and I didn't even say it was Lucchese. I'm like, it was. It should have been Paddock because Paddock is your best guy. The thing I look here's how I look at each of them. I think Paddock is going to be Mister Reliable. Like I think he's going to be less volatile than Lamet because he does throw a lot. He fills up the strike zone, as they say. Sometimes a little too much. Too much. But he does dot the strike zone. He has really good command. I do think he's going to consistently go, you know, deep into games. Whereas Lamet is going to, it's like last year's his no-hit bid against the Mariners. That game did not start off hot for him. Like, he was all over the fucking place. Right. All over the place. And then he just found a gear and found a rhythm. And well, that just, just started, shows he can yeah. make adjustments. Yeah, if he exactly. Have it. And it starts carving him up. But he, That's a sign of maturity. It is. That's a sign of development. Yes, it is. And he's only gotten better. He is, and he's 27. He's in his prime. Yeah. And uh, he is a little, like, I look at him like, yeah, he's a little bit more volatile, but he has the potential to be far more dominant than Paddock. Oh, simply yeah. because, not just because of the velocity, but because his wipeout pitch is more devastating. Mm-hmm. And Paddock has a devastating changeup. Yeah. But for whatever reason, Lament is just, I mean, he's just dominant when he's on. And his last two starts, he has been absolutely dominant. Um, he did admit, you know, hey, I'm a two-pitch guy, so that third time through the order, like, that's when I really got to make adjustments. I would like to see him come up with another pitch just because I do think, and he's obviously aware of it, that that might hinder him third time through the order. But, I mean, right now, if I'm looking like, who do I want to go shut somebody down, it's him strictly because he can just strike everybody out. Yeah, no question, dude. I was looking at a three-game playoff series. And I'm like, you know, sure. Like, I, I, Paddock is probably the safe bet because, like you said, he's Mr. Consistent. Consistent. Yeah. He's around the zone all the time. He does. He has an elite 
put away pitch. Yeah. He does. There's there's no question about it. And he it. has not been bad this year. I feel like there's this idea that like because Lamette's been so good, maybe Paddock hasn't been that great. Oh no, he's been solid. Yeah, he's been good. He's been solid. But here's the thing, like, wouldn't you want that as your backup option if yeah. Lamette has a bad game the first game? Yeah. Because you throw Lamette out there, like let's say we face the Dodgers in a three game series, dude. Which in the first round there's not a no. possibility of that happening. But just for argument's sake, let's say we face a great team like LA and I want to have Pat. I want to have Lamette start that first game because there's a strong chance he could go off. We can see like what we saw on Sunday against the Diamondbacks. We can see that type of performance. And once you get out 1-0 in the series, you have Chris Paddock coming in, Mister Reliable, Mister Pound the Zone, Mister Elite Wipeout or uh, Put Away Pitch. You have that guy game too. Like I think that's they're set up great. <laughs> I'm looking at They're his... set up great for a, a, a short playoff series. I'm looking at his numbers right now on Baseball Reference. He's only walked three batters the entire year. Dude, he's been fantastic. 22 innings. The only thing he's given up a lot of hits, so I'm, I'm assuming the BABIP is high. But he's he's given up, in 22 innings, he struck out 21 batters. He's only walked three. Uh, he has a 130 ERA plus, a 1.01 whip, <laughs> an 8, an eight, to, an eight uh, per nine strikeout rate. Like, he's pitching really well. Really well. And I feel like because Lamette, who I'm about to pull up right now, has just been completely dominant. Lamette has a, a 1-6-1 ERA. His ERA is half of what Paddock's is, just about. <laughs> in 22 innings, so he's thrown about the same amount of innings, which, you know, again, there's the uh, the idea that Paddock is more consistent. Maybe I'm wrong. But he's walked uh, seven, so twice the walk rate. But he struck out 28. He's also hit four batters, uh, almost matching his uh, total last year. Yeah, it's okay. But he's also got a 2.55 ERA plus. That's Mariano Rivera. Those are like that's an elite reliever number. A 2.55 ERA plus. He is absolutely dominant. And I think you're right. I think the idea that we can have a guy who's just you know lights out, just dominant, just can just steamroll guys, and then another guy who can do it but in a more finesse type of way and dot the you know dot the corners, set up with the changeup, tunnel guys to death. I think the fact that we have that where you can say. Okay, you know, maybe we'll go the safe bet game one because we think we have a better chance with Paddock game one, and then we can just run Lamette out there and just bury it because after that they got to win three in a row, and they're not going to do it because now we can throw one of those two guys. Yeah. Or maybe you throw Lamette out there game one, and whether you know whichever way it goes, if you win, great. Now we're going to go out with Paddock, and then if they happen to come back, well, Paddock and Lamette are going to throw one uh, another game here at some point, yeah. so they got to beat them twice. So I think. Right now, Lamette is the ace because he's just undeniably dominant. He's had two back-to-back starts against the Dodgers and now the Diamondbacks. Uh, what is this, really? Three starts. He's just been f- fantastic. Yeah. All, all of his starts. I think he's had four starts now. He's been fantastic. And I don't think you're going to see guys go deep, unless you're like Scherzer or DeGrom. I don't think the Padres are really worried about how deep they go. As long as they get him into the sixth inning, which they have been, um, they're going to be just fine because the bullpen looks to be picking it up. Eric, and uh, speaking of the bullpen, it got a recent addition. Can you feel the heat, Eric? <laughs> Luis Patino. Patino heat yep. uh, has been up. He's not been so hot, but nope. that's okay. Yeah, you know, uh, watching him, his first couple outings, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like, we've we've been sitting here penciling him into our rotation this Get year. Get out of here, Davies. This year. He's actually been really good. Yeah. Strikeout machine, Zach Davies. Yeah, so we're sitting here, and we're just ready to boot <laughs> Davies out of the rotation, Richards, if we have to. We're yeah. like, hey, get Luke out Daisy, of here. You're on and, borrowed time. Yeah, and, and you look at, and they said on the telecast yesterday that, like, that inning really put – on a spot like uh, Patino, his talent and also his shortcomings yes. and the fact that he's a rookie and he still has a lot of room to grow. My good friend Dennis Lynn had mentioned that, that uh, you can see you can see like the upside because the fastball's a lot. He threw a slider, I think, to Seeger or Bellinger, uh, one of the two, where he, he threw a slider and got a swing and miss on it. And it was just absolutely filthy. Yeah. But then you see him, he's kind of all over the place with the command. Uh, on the fastball still throwing really hard 97 to 99 honestly i just think it's an experience it's nerves i think you're talking about a 20 year old kid who is trying to justify a spot on the roster and if you give him a cut like i like the idea that jace brought him in yesterday uh we're talking about today started luis perdomo uh, the other the first louis p yeah. but uh louis p part two and hopefully the sequel is better um I like the idea that, yeah, maybe you can get him in today in a bullpen game, but I like the idea, hey, we're blowing this team out. It's like 9-2. to two. You know, we're going to bring uh, excuse me, Patino in and just get him some innings. Just say, like, hey, man, go give up some runs. If you give him some runs, don't worry about it. Just work on what we've been working on, and don't worry about the results. Like, this game's in the bag 
So just do what you do and then get, you know, get your work in, get better, make it a learning experience. So I was cool with him bringing him in. That's the way I think you break in a very young 20-year-old flamethrowing starter who's going to have to find that rhythm, and he's not starting four or five innings at a time now. Now he's going to go one or two innings. He's got to find it quicker. I think I, I like the way that he's been used so far. The Dodger was a little high leverage, but whatever, man. Sink or swim if you thought he was your best guy. But uh, yeah, yesterday I thought I thought was a better use of him um, as he gets his feet wet and, and tries to find himself in a different role. I can't lie. It was a little disappointing. And yeah. then, but then I was thinking, and I'm like, you know what? How much of it is jitters? How much is, of it is the fact that he's historically been a starting pitcher, yeah. and there are different routines that people have the pitchers have to get ready and this is new for him it's and it's new leaks. at the highest level yeah, that he's ever level. played at so you know I'm, I'm wondering how much that all kind of plays into it i'm not down i'm not done no, with him by no, any I'm means not down on him at all I, I had expected more but uh we're a little spoiled because the, oh, last, the last prospect two prospects we had come up like that paddock and tatis were pretty much but you look good. at the stuff and it's there's a it's lot there. of reason to be hopeful it's and to there, be optimistic yeah. about it because you see the upper 90s fastball you see the slider that slider is dirty Phil. dude. and he you says s- a changeup, which might be the he better broke pitch. off an 89 mile an hour changeup <laughs> to strike someone out i forgot who it yeah. was but I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, like, seeing that in the rotation, having him calm down and get to work his way through the lineup a yeah. couple times, which I eventually do think is going to be the case, I think that's going to be the best spot for him. Maybe, you know, I had high hopes that he would be a high-leverage guy just basically based off of how this season has started with the bullpen. But I think the bullpen will come around. It um, has looked better. And it has. It like, has. now that Pierce Johnson's getting more innings, like, Javi Guerra's been getting some innings, and that's whatever. But, like, Pierce Johnson is finally getting some inning. I don't know why he wasn't Pagan used the first turned week. it around. Yeah, Pagan, they, they made some kind of adjustment. Pagan. Pomeranz is Pomeranz. Yeah, and, and Kirby's looked better. So, yeah. you know, then we have those four. I still think that Patino could be high leverage, but more in, like, the way Lincecum was used in that first Giants run, yeah. where it's like, okay, it's the fifth, you know, we need to bring it. It's the fifth inning, you know, Richards is done. We need to bring somebody else in. Let's get uh, let's get Patino in here so we can bridge it to the seventh or eighth inning. Yeah. That's how I think they want to use him um, and why he was brought up. If he has to be a high leverage guy because one of the back end guys don't work out, that's fine. But I think they brought him up more to kind of be that bridge because I mean, look at Lucchese, man. He wasn't getting through the fucking third. Mm, yeah, you know? that was rough. Um, and and you know Davies has thrown I think he's had three starts now he's thrown 15 innings so he hasn't really pitched deep he looked really good his last time out he did I mean really good but for the most part he's 150 and he's a five inning starter anyway so I think that's why Patino brought up because that back end okay we can bring him up we know we can use Cal in that role and he'll do fine but now we have another arm who's more electric than Quantrill and and uh, Perdomo who can also go long yeah, um, if his role this year is to like, hey, our reliever. starter, yeah, our starter can only go yeah. four, or, or hey, we're you know our, we're three four innings and our start our starter doesn't really have it, and we're down four zero. Like Patino come in, hold him at four runs. Yeah. Hopefully this offense, which has been the best in the league, hopefully this offense can get us back into this game, chip away to where the bullpen makes it exciting. I love walks, walky walk. Walks. So Give if walks. if that's if that's his role this year, I'm okay with it. And I I think that he'll flourish, and I think. Uh, I think long term, yeah. there's a lot to be excited yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely, but and this is a good way to break him into the league. I don't really without starting him when you don't really need to. Like Lucchese definitely needs to, but you've got like I'd like to see Cal get a shot. Yeah, at Lucchese's uh, spot. Speaking of getting a shot, um, it was announced because it was to be determined originally. And I don't understand this. I don't either, but we'll talk about it anyway. So we'll, we'll try to figure it out for ourselves. But uh, initially, I think Richards was supposed to start today. And then tomorrow was to be determined. Yeah. Well, Richards has been pushed back tomorrow to tomorrow, which is fine. Give him an, an extra day. Uh, and uh, Louis P. Part 1, Luis Perdomo, the former full, Rule 5 draft who just doesn't go away, uh, <laughs> he's getting the nod today. A very odd move. I thought Quantrill would be the guy, I, to be honest with you. Well, I thought Tuesday was going to be Gore. Yes. I thought that's what we were going to see. And I right thought, on good info that that was not going to be the case. Whatever. <laughs> I'm getting really sick of your good info bullshit because your good info had us all thinking that uh, Mookie Betts was going to be a fucking Padre. Well, he was very close. But It's not our fault they didn't want Myers. I thought Gore was going to start on Tuesday. So, yeah, I got excited for that. But I, if it wasn't Gore, it's was like, okay, well, man, hey, maybe Patino will get the start. And then he threw Sunday, which is like, eh, okay, well, he's not starting Tuesday. But when they came out and said Perdomo, I'm yeah. like, did Cal Quantrill die? 
I'm like, why are we starting Perdomo? Like, this isn't 2017. This isn't 2018. Like, why is he getting looks? I, I don't understand why he's starting the game. Maybe it is going to be a bullpen day. Which, a bullpen day with this bullpen, sure, they've been better. But with this bullpen so far this year, it, it just has disaster written all over. Especially for the first of four games in L.A. I would like to announce... Their bullpen could be shot the rest of the series. It could be. So, here's the thing. Here's what I like. By the way... Luis Arias went one for one in his debut. Oh, Eat cool. a dick. So, here's the thing with the bullpen. They have Patino up, right? So, I think Perdomo could probably go two or three. I hope to God I don't see... What the hell? Tim Hill? Hill Tim? Is that his first I name? I can't stand that. I hope I don't dude. see that gumpy loogie the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I wish they would. I don't... I, Cordero got hurt today, by the way, so I guess we won the trade. Yeah. But they got 60-day... Well, if he would have got COVID, then we really would have won the trade. <laughs> I heard that that's how it works. Yeah, I heard that's how it works. Um, But but, uh, I think because you can use Perdomo in three, and then you got enough guys. Like, they have a lot of bodies down there. Um, Yeah, obviously Cal can come in and throw. I think Richards will give you four or five anyways. Like, I think he's – unless he blows up, which God knows when that is, they still have Patino who can come in and eat some innings. Like, they've got guys that Strom can eat some innings. So they've got some guys. I want our best options against L.A., though. Absolutely. Opening up the first of four, and it's such a crucial series, opening the first of four with Perdomo, just you're playing with fire. This is the game where I would say, like, I don't think they have a leg. Let's say, I don't understand why they ever announce, oh, it's going to be a bullpen game today. Like, maybe what they're doing is, okay, we're going to throw Perdomo out there so that way they stack the lineup with lefties. And then after that, we're just going to bring in Strom and Hill to you know to loogie them to death right. until the middle innings, and then we can bring in like Quantrill when they start bringing the right-handers back in to counter. Now we have Cal who can do it. So I wonder if that's maybe the strategy. I've never understood saying a team saying, "Oh, we're going to go with an opener today." Why would you do that? Why would you announce that when they know that you're going to do that? It makes no sense. But yeah. um, no sense at all. Man. No, I, I don't get it. But I mean, again, I'm going to let it happen. You know, we'll see. I mean, Perdomo hasn't looked terrible this year. He's looked okay. Um, I don't think he's going to have a long leash, and we have enough depth because the guys didn't throw yesterday. I don't think Cal threw yesterday. I'm pretty sure he didn't. I don't Uh, think so. I don't think so. It's not like they don't have guys that can go long if they need to, if Perdomo doesn't last. Ideally, he gives you two innings and he bounces. And then Cal can give you two or three innings, and then you can just one inning it the rest of the way through. But well, I agree with you. By the time everyone yeah. listens to this, the game will be over because yes. it's starting as we speak. So let's get in this Padre Twitter segment. Let's do it. So that we can uh, get this over with and watch this game tonight. Because as, as bad as I don't want to see Perdomo pitching, I don't want to miss uh, much of the game. So uh, let's go ahead and take a look here. We put out the uh, the old bat signal on Twitter. And uh, you guys came through again, which we appreciate it, of course. Uh, voicemails preferred, which if you uh, listen to the podcast and you don't have Twitter, 619 354 Nine six six nine. Don't put your number up there. Six one nine three five four nine six. Nice six nine. So, uh, let's go ahead and play some of them here. If you will notice, uh, our boy Carl the Lurker said on the uh, post, "Hey, can Eric go the whole podcast without mentioning our catchers' names?" I did not bitch about our catcher situation today. We didn't even talk about. The I did catchers. mention Hedges yeah. a couple times. Well, this prospect, time, but this I did context. not. Yeah, no. I did not bring up uh, the catchers. So. Uh, let's go ahead and see. As I'm looking through here, there's there's some on the voicemail line. Let's uh, let's get this one started. Yeah. Uh, hi, Eric. This is Austin Hedges. I've had enough. I can't handle all the constant trashing of me from you on Twitter anymore. I'm willing to make a deal where you trash that bitch Mejia and praise me. I have PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App ready and waiting. Just let me know. Thanks. <laughs> You have your AC running in the window I'm next to, so I didn't hear a lot of that. <laughs> so Austin Hedges just uh, messaged us, and he said that he can't handle all my bullshit on Twitter, ah. and he's willing to make a deal where I trash that bitch Mejia <laughs> and praise him. He has PayPal and Cash App ready and waiting. Oh, wow. I will gladly take Austin Hedges' money. Absolutely. <laughs> I will gladly take his money to stop talking shit to him on Twitter, but... I'll just make a burner, <laughs> since I'm already accused all the time of having 500 burners. So I'll just uh, sick one of my burners on Hedges. So it's a win-win. I get to keep up my bullshit, and I get to talk shit uh, about Hedges and get his money. So uh, let's see the next one that we have here. Hey, guys. This is Mark Wilkins, at Mark F. Wilkins. Um, I'm just wondering, which one's Eric 
And which one's Danny? It's really hard for me to tell. And in fact, I'm starting to wonder if Danny's a bit because I've really had an interaction with him. Uh, just some clarification. We very much appreciate it. Thank you, fellas. <laughs> Did he ask if I'm a bit? Yep. He said, like, which one think, is you and which one is me? Like you just talked to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, brown. Wouldn't that be great? I'd have two yeah. different voices. Yeah. I'm brown and short, and Eric's tall and fair-skinned. Yeah, people can't tell the difference between our voices, and it drives me insane. Because we don't that. sound anything alike. Yeah, I, and every Leisure time... can tell, because yeah. he has to turn it down when I'm talking. Yeah, I use the same line to every person that says, hey, I can't tell which one is you and which one is Danny. Yeah. I say, I am the one, miserable SD fan, Eric, I am the one that can't get three words out without being interrupted. That was like nine right there. And they're like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I know which one is Danny. So, I mean. I only say our names at the top of the podcast. Real quick from uh, our good friend Latimer Human Scum Ridley. When are we getting a Manny Machaca burrito? Manny Machaca burrito. Oh, I saw that one. Didn't he ask what the ingredients would be? Uh, let's see here. I think he did. What would your ingredients be in a Manny Machaca burrito? Machaca. It's pretty. Yeah, but what else would you put in it? Uh, bell peppers. Okay. Uh, bell peppers. Chili peppers. Okay. A lot of spices. Maybe some jalapenos. Okay. And uh, salsa more, my favorite hot sauce. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, what I'm putting in the Manny Machaca burrito, I am putting just straight tortilla, and I'm filling that bitch with meat. <laughs> And I'm putting a shit ton of sour cream in it. And what that symbolizes is Manny's fat dick. And I'm sending that shit to Bob Brenly. So when he takes a bite out of it, he's going to get Manny's fat dick and all the sour cream jizz all over his fucking face. Don't forget the two huevos. That's what the fuck I'm sending to him. <laughs> two huevos. Yeah, there you go. I'll send that also. That's a great question. Let's see. Uh, we have another voicemail coming in here. Let's see what we have. Hey, y'all. Mayor of Ramona here. Uh, just sitting here drinking a cold PBR and wondering, how much would you give Greg Garcia uh, in an extension? I think he deserves it over anybody else on the team, that's for sure. Um, all right, guys, well, have a great pod, and I'm going to go back to flicking my little dick with the tire iron. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Greg Garcia's not blowing kisses, posing topless, or flipping his hair out of his face. The mayor of Ramona wants to know, how much would you give Greg Garcia in an extension? I don't know. <laughs> Does he take free Greg Garcia is a very people? close high school friend of mine, yes. so watch what you say. Yes. I like Greg Garcia. He's like the perfect – he's everything Bud Black tried to sell us that Alexia Marista was. Yeah. And yeah. in all seriousness, and I've said this before to you, Greg Garcia, I love Greg Garcia because he knows his fucking role and he is great at his fucking role. Yes. He doesn't sit there. You don't see him, oh, you know – I should be starting. That's just the value I bring. <laughs> you don't see comments like that. You don't see him slithering over to AC to give him a quote where he thinks that he should be in the lineup because of X, Y, and Z. You don't see that bullshit. You see him supporting his teammates. You see him rooting for his dancing teammates. Dancing poorly, but You dancing. see him coming into the game late in big spots. Sure, he might strike out looking here and there. A lot. But Greg Garcia comes through. Yes. Okay. Greg Garcia knows his role, and he's fucking great at, at if his role. If you need a great at-bat or a guy to randomly fill in in the infield and give you solid production, he is the man. He is, he is the, the man. perfect, what is it, tenth man on yeah, the field. He really is. So, let's see what we got next. Tyron Dick Flipper. Hey, Danny and Eric. Uh, this is Patrick Daly. Patrick Daly. Um, just taking me a long time to finally come out in public and say this, but here goes. <sighs> Uh, Austin Hedges is the worst hitter in baseball history. That's it. <laughs> Goodbye. Have a great night, fellas. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm Patrick Thank you, Patrick. Bailey. You know, acceptance. The worst hitter in baseball history. Acceptance, Patrick, is the first key <laughs> to recovery. Yeah. The minute now you've accepted it, Patrick, and you are going to be able to move on and move forward to the Church of Mejia, and hopefully. Hedges will get to that first step as well. but Hopefully. Good for Patrick. Hopefully, yeah. Good for, good for you, Patrick. Uh, let's – oh, no, boy. Okay. I'm going to play this one next. Uh, this is at the real often Hedges. I had sex with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I fucking love this stupid bit. The real Austin Edges. He had seconds with his mom. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. We had, okay, so the first call that we had like that was last year, actually, when Greg Garcia let us know that yes. sometimes he farts when he comes. <laughs> 
and now we have Austin Hedges. <laughs> he has sex with his mom. We find out a lot of interesting stuff mom. on this podcast. And see, this is the type of stuff, as much as I love my beloved Ben and Woods on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan, Monday through Fridays, 5 a.m. through 9 a.m., number one rated sports show in San Diego. As much as I love them, you don't get that anywhere else. You don't get that kind of shit anywhere else. So that's what I like the most about them. Hang on. You can't hear right now, but the outro music just got started. They're trying to walk us off here before we play, <laughs> before we play the, last, uh, the last voicemail here, which I think that uh, you'll get a kick out of. Hey, fellas. It's Andrew Mosson with Caldwell Banker West, DRE number 02112212. Hey, just want to let you guys know you guys are doing a great job, and I enjoyed the podcast. Uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your night. Didn't want to take up more than a minute of your time here. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't heard if you guys aren't on twitter our pal at uh, af mazone andy mazone has got his real estate license the hottest sexiest and undoubtedly most rasa real estate agent you can hire yes so if you're looking for real estate anywhere in san diego yeah. and you can't afford the homes that hannah nancara woods is slinging <laughs> Your boy mazone has got family. you that's right if you can't afford 2.8 million in encinitas our boy Mazone has got you taken care of. If you're looking for a, a studio in in, in Cano, hey, Mazone's got your back. Cano. Hey, take it easy. <laughs> I grew up in Cano. Mazone's got your back. And you know what? The Just, first the first person, and I have this on good authority. You want to talk about your good authority. The first person that actually buys a home from Mazone, there's going to be a nice little gift that comes with that. Now, I don't want to give too much away, but I think it, it involves sudsy? I think it involves a stripper. I think it involves a shower and maybe some suds. Oh, wow. So, yeah, go ahead and hit up Mazone for all your real estate and uh, sudsy That's needs. Right. Just take a minute and call Mazone. <laughs> Anyways, you got anything before we're out of here? I got to uh, check on this stupid game. <laughs> no, let's uh, let's go Padres, and I hope Tatis butt-fucks the shit out of the Dodgers this week. Oh, boy. All right. Well, hey, we'll see you guys uh, maybe next week if I feel like it, maybe the week after. I like the every other week stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see you whenever. We're out of here. Bye.